What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Another day, another podcast, Metal Call. Here we go. And a YouTube. Live where from you should uh, go quarantine? subscribe. Live from quarantine, as it all is. Yeah, like you said, go subscribe. We got a bunch of YouTube comments, or I mean mm. uh, content, up the last. We did Raiders draft, Niners draft, top five GMs. I got some good feedback. I woke up to a text today from a pretty high-level executive, and he said... I don't agree with your list, but I like it. I like oh. I like the the effort in the video, but he he yeah. he adamantly disagreed with our top five GM list. He was big on Baltimore has to be one, given okay. their history and the power they give their general manager. Uh, he, he thought a huge element that we kind of left out was now our criteria was different. Again, go check out this YouTube that we did on top five GMs. We factored in the quarterback a little more. He thought about like siphoning everything out and just looking at it like a blank canvas would yep. be the fair way to do it. He thought the owner was such a huge percentage of it. And for example, like Clark Hunt doesn't have the money of the Crafts and the Jones and and mm. just historically they've been a cheaper organization. I think they've changed with Andy and winning big. But his point was the owner and the resources and the the, the willingness to it moments notice. And we kind of talked about this. Like the Chiefs don't spend, like they don't have the biggest scouting staff. Javich is, yeah. as of right now, is one of the lower paid GMs. Like th- this could be his point was like the Niners. Trent Baalke was like the highest paid GM ten years ago. It's actually a good spot to be in. John Lynch makes like four million dollars. Probably Roseman, who has a Super Bowl, probably makes half that. I mean, it's just say what you want about Jed, and I think we're probably overly critical sometimes. He does spend huge cash. They have big staffs. They do. They've been innovative from the jump. Again, like I, I think we're looking at it a little differently, but I was like, yeah, he brings up some fair points. So he probably didn't like the Colts pick either. He doesn't hate that because of the power the guy gives him, and Ursay doesn't fuck with the draft or the players. Yeah. Like he does just okay. give you, he thinks that's one of the better jobs. Again, more based on does the owner pay you big money, give you unlimited resources, and let you cook? Right? Right. There goes your uh, your sign. I can't look at that. the The numbers are getting too big, guy. Yeah. Well, we're not on YouTube yet, so that's okay. Uh, all right. Before we get into it, John, let's tell the people again as we have been. And we, yes, we do have ads in this podcast, which is great. But these are not ads. These are just friends of the shows. 
that uh, we want to give a shout out to because they're good local companies. I uh, I've made an executive decision when I woke up this morning, and and uh, I'm going to go to Kinder's for lunch. Oh. Uh, Kinder's been around the Bay Area since 1946. Got ten Kinder's all around the Bay Area. Grandpa Kinder started in 1946, guy. Oh my uh, god! Someone recommended get the ribeye Ted sandwich. Ted Williams had just come back from the war. I know, just the splinter splinter ready to just you know <laughs> go opposite field. And uh, Kinder's, they, I I usually go with the barbecue chicken sandwich. Someone told me get the ribeye sandwich and get jog sauce. That's like jalapeno, onion, and garlic that sauce. Fantastic. So I'm going to probably do that here in an hour. And uh, also our friends at Evergood. Evergood Sausages, been in the Bay Area over 90 years. We, we love companies that have been here just well before we were even, our parents were even born. Yep. And uh, you can find them in Costco, find them in Safeway, wherever you shop. Just su- support local. Support local. Amen. Like uh, local podcasts. Yeah. Going national. Um, or that are national. All right. Uh, so what we're going to do today, this is another rapid fire uh, NFL talk pod. You can also find the video, this one on YouTube, which again, we'd encourage you to go subscribe uh, on YouTube. Not always the same content, but there is some crossover stuff, which is great. And um, yeah, anything else before we dive into it? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think we're posting all the podcasts on YouTube. People have been asking us about doing that forever. Uh, yeah. I know this guy named Joe Rogan's been doing it, and it works pretty well for him. And just you know, I, I you know a lot of people listen to podcasts that way, so we'll do it that way too. But we also have a lot of different ideas that are just YouTube centric, and I, we got some good shit up there. All right, here we go, John. Um, rapid fire talk. It's rapid fire talk. It's seven topics, about five minutes. That's the idea here. Uh, we'll see if we can uh, stay in that window and stay in line there. And let's begin with the rumor. Of the day of Wednesday, which is Odell Beckham, uh, Mark Malusis of WFAN said on Wednesday morning that a source told him the Browns and the Vikings are in discussions on a trade that would send OBJ to the Vikings for a second and a fifth. The trade is not done, but the deal is being discussed. Some people thought that would be explosive. Odell and Mike Zimmer together, but alas, John Shefty says... That ain't happening. He went on radio, 97.1, said he texted a source, um, and the Viking source who, according to the emoji, white guy, if that narrows it down, maybe with yellow or orange hair, Shefty said, not happening. What do you think of all this? Well, do you get rid of Stefan Diggs, who is like the Odell Beckham divided by three, who's a diva, but really not that big of a diva because he's been a major player on a winner now for half a decade? To go for Odell Beckham Jr., which again, a little bit more productive, better player, never won, and a big-time pain in the ass, I don't know. Uh, when I first saw the rumor, you you started thinking to yourself, well, they have multiple first-round picks, they're not giving up one of those. All of a sudden, you get Odell with Thielen and Cooks. You know, you got multiple first-round, they can be kind of good. <laughs> it's a bold move. A uh, little win now, Spielman and Zimmer feel like there's some pressure on them to get over the hump. Then I also thought, is there, and one thing I've been hearing for a while is that, I, you know, th- this new regime in Cleveland, Odell is not some sacred cow. Now, granted, he's only been there a year. Would it be great for his career to get traded, basically be on his third team in, tw- in 12 months? No. Like, it, it'd feel like it'd be headed the wrong way, you know? Also, yeah, here's the other part of it. You know, we talked about Brandon Cooks the other day and how Brandon Cooks has been on a bunch of teams, but... Brandon Cooks has played with Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Jared Goff, and now he's going to go play with Deshaun Watson. It'd be Odell playing with end of his career Eli, basically. Um, Baker Mayfield, and then if if this were even a thing, Kirk Cousins. Now, okay, let's say it's not a thing. I think the other part of the story is just the idea that this gets floated and people go, I think the reaction, like your reaction, my reaction, was, yeah, okay. Especially when you see a second and a what was it a second and a fifth? Yeah, yeah. You go, you well, yeah. Are you getting a first for the guy right now? If the Browns, who kind of need him, are trying to trade him or need players but, like but, him, but but don't you think? I do think they get a first. Like, would the Green Bay Packers give up their first round pick for him? They'd have to think about it, right? They're they're kind of in win now mode. They need a wide receiver. Uh, the 49ers were in the Odell Beckham conversation last year. I think really heavily, right? And it just 
they didn't have it didn't match up because the Browns were offering pick 17. The Niners weren't going to offer pick two, but they didn't have enough juice later. So it was just it didn't fit. But a year later has enough changed with the Niners making the Super Bowl, acquiring Debo, Kittle becoming just a superstar, Kyle proven that he can make other guys good. Does it make as much sense to go? You could say probably not, but then you go, well, you do have two first round picks. I would yeah. say, I would say no if you just had 31. Now there's a financial aspect to it. I don't know if it fits right now with the cap. But if I said that 40 if I told you today the 49ers traded pick 31 for Odell Beckham, you wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it, but to not hate it I'd have to ignore some obvious red flags. One of which, and you said this to me when we were just talking about this on Tuesday, which wasn't even related to the rumor, just could the Niners find a way to try and get Odell now cuz in theory he's cheaper than he was last year. Can you bring Odell Beckham in when your best player would be making pennies on the dollar compared to Odell? So can you bring him in when George Kittle, who plays on the same side of the football, giving you Odell giving you everything he's had, giving you everything giving he's you had, everything that you want out of a star player, and he's making and he's got a contract coming up, and you're telling him you're going to tell him now nah, you're not worth what receivers are worth, you're worth what tight ends are worth, you're not worth as much as Odell Beckham. Is that a good situation? Particularly if Odell is not a guy that comes in and is just like easy fit to your locker room? It's, it's been a defining attribute of the Patriots era. They were always very, very cognizant of that. Of a guy that they had a player on their team who'd earned pelts on the wall, either won a championship or had put it on the line in big games, who makes a million dollars. And then you bring in a guy that immediately makes $15 million. Now he's a great player, but... It's like, hey, guys, what, what the fuck are we doing? And then it's like, well, we were offering you new deals. Yeah, Austin Hooper contract. I, I, I'm better than Odell Beckham. So that's – you're right. It, it becomes – it's much no, more – you're right. It, it's much more complicated a year later than it was last year if they could have made it, made it fit. I, I think there are – And the other part of this, did you just trade DeForest Buckner for Odell Beckham? But I think back to the Vikings, do they make much sense when they just got rid of Diggs, who was kind of pain in their ass? Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. I'll give you. I'll no. give you a team that you always got to keep an eye on. Now, again, we'd have to look finances. It's a little complicated. You, you know, the Eagles are always just—they're in the mix for this shit. Yeah, you know, and, and the, Andrew Barry, who's now the general manager of the Cleveland Browns, was just with Philly for the last year. Mm. So just—they're always point. sniffing around. Now, I—I'd I, be shocked. Like, could they do? We'll give you our second round pick and maybe next year's two, like two twos for them, something like that. Again, they, they don't like spending premiums on players. And those aren't, pre- well, but the Browns would go, God, that's, that's not even a, pre- that second round pick is not even a premium second round pick in all likelihood. Like the Eagles are good enough, right? Yeah. But it also, so speak, might- but it speaks sometimes, guy, to the value we have on the outside is the value. Look at DeAndre Hopkins. Clearly, there weren't a lot of teams beating down the door for DeAndre Hopkins at a first-round value, which is kind of crazy, yeah. but they just weren't. All right. Uh, speaking of evaluating value, Christian McCaffrey signed his contract. We know that. That's not the new news. But uh, one thing that Albert Breer wrote on Monday was the estimated guarantee was slightly over half. Half of the contract would be $32 million. Uh, if it's slightly over half, I don't know what we give it, 36, let's just say, which would, I mean, $4 million is more than slightly. But the point is, it's less, that, that is less than Ezekiel Elliott's $45 million guaranteed, even though this deal was presented as more money than Ezekiel Elliott. So who won this deal? And you're looking, by the way, if you're watching the YouTube on McCaffrey's and, and Zeke's uh, stats, who won this deal then? Well, the Panthers, two years away removed, because uh, McCaffrey would go two years from free agency or getting tagged. I got paid. And uh, if the guaranteed money's half of the actual value, that it's really – that would make it middle cost, what, a two-year extension, not a four-year extension if the guaranteed dollars are half of the total money. What I struggle with, Guy, on the Christian McCaffrey side, easy deal for the Panthers. They, this, they, they don't look – people are like, I can't believe they're giving McCaffrey paying a running – they're not paying him very much money. You would have no problem giving Christian McCaffrey $32 million total. And that's what deals are. And if, if he's still on the team year three into the extension, that means he's killing it. And they're fine with it. To me, Which, by the way, that's five years from now, year three of the extension. That's what, you, you know that Todd Gurley, Todd Gurley, like Christian McCaffrey, because Zeke last year, right, 
held out going into his fifth-year option. Was not held out and got paid. But he played that third year, or excuse me, that fourth year, where you have McCaffrey and you have, or excuse me, no, Zeke held out going into his fourth year, right? So he held out going into his fourth year. Didn't miss any games. Didn't miss any games, but held out going into the fourth year season. Missed the training camp or whatever. Todd Gurley got paid, same situation, close to Ze- a little. Zeke got a little bit more, but he was in the 40s. Christian McCaffrey, who had been less drama than Zeke, who had been more dynamic as a pass catcher than Zeke, and had much less injury history and risk than Todd Gurley, how does he take a number dramatically less than both those guys? And you could say, well, John... It's the baseball argument. You're buying out years of arbitration, right? You're buying out years of under because he's under contract for the fourth year, and Gurley, Zeke, they're obviously at the time getting their fifth year option picked up. So you're buying out two years. So okay, I I understand that. So you're not going to get sixty million dollars. But we talk about it all the time. It's just comps. That's the problem for George Kittle right now, right? Who's his comp? Well, the highest paid tight end in NFL history is Austin Hooper. Not ideal for him. If you're Christian, you go. Well, it's Zeke and Gurley, and they got paid at the same time I got paid. So, yeah, maybe I'll take a quote-unquote little less. One thing people are tweeting at me, what about economic anxiety that's going on in society right now? And I'd say, yeah, "Yeah," I'd say for most people, that is very true. Here's the difference. For Christian McCaffrey to get what he's owed this year or contracts or whatever, the season's going to have to be played. So if you're signing a contract, you're basing it on the season being played. And if you think the season's going to be uh, played, I I couldn't sign this deal. I I think this is the easiest contract the Carolina Panthers have ever agreed to in the history of their franchise guy. I I really do. Again, assuming that the guaranteed dollars, which as of the recording this podcast, have not become public beyond what we're To me, usually that's a red flag uh, that people don't want. I I would say this guy, any number under $40 million guaranteed is a steal for the Panthers, given his impact, given how important he is, given how good he is, given where their franchise is at. you got to spend money anyway. If it's even $16 million a year, that means this year with a $200 million cap, it's 8% of your cap. Would you spend 8% of your cap on the cap? But he's not getting paid $60 million this year, right? He's getting paid $60 million in three years when the extension begins. Yeah, but you give a little bonus money. It hurts the overall cap. But yeah, I mean, it's just... Again, Todd Gurley. Can for, I give you one? Can I give you one? Todd Gurley counter? never made it to his extension. Think about that. Now he got the money, but he never made it to his extension. You know what I was thinking about though? Remember the greatest running back that Christian McCaffrey's dad played with? Terrell Davis. Yeah. And when Terrell Davis was where Christian is now, coming into his fourth year in the in the league, he is coming off a great, as Harbaugh would say, with a capital G year. He scored 15 touchdowns his third year in the league. His fourth year in the league was off the charts. 2,000 yards. in rushing, 2,008 yards, 21 touchdowns. Actually caught – did you know Terrell Davis caught 49 balls his rookie year? Anyway. So, he was good. So, so his fourth year, he is on top of the world, John. He plays, after that, 17 more games in his NFL career over three seasons. I mean, at the end of the day, Christian McCaffrey just guaranteed himself two, his next two years plus over $30 million. To, to me, it's not about, like, financially, yeah, he said. It, to me, it's more about the comps at your position, given how far you're under and given how your numbers in certain categories Exceed, are just yeah. way better. And yeah, I, I better, just, better player. I, I, what, what, where, if you were Christian McCaffrey's agent, why would you be arguing to cut them such a big discount? Because wouldn't you go, well, Christian, we are cutting them a discount here relative to your peers. Yeah. Maybe you like being there. Your argument is you don't have to wait two years to get paid. You can get paid right now because that's what Zeke did. And that's what Todd I, Gurley did. I guess my point is, I, I still think that let's say the number comes out 32, 33 million. If they're willing to do that. I think they would be willing, even at the end of the day, if you're going to make a little less, to get to 40, 42, yeah. you know? Every they, year that goes by, the cap goes up in the NFL. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's it's an extension. It's not He's not an unrestricted free agent or a franchise player, so it doesn't start right now. It actually it behooves them. 
I'd argue, this is where I'd say if I was his agent guy, it behooves them, even if the number's $45 million guaranteed, to do it right now because over the next three years, actually a deal. He's only 23 years old. I, again, guy, I think it's one of be the— 24. I think it's—he's he's 24 right now or 23? Going to be 24 for this year. Yeah, so, this, I mean, you're getting him his 24, yeah. 25, 26 seasons, which prime of his life. It, to me, it has a chance to be one of the all-time steel NFL contracts if he just keeps doing what he's doing. Even if right. they win or lose, I mean, he's— He's that's right. He's that's he's still a Hall of Famer. So at the end of the day, I, if you don't win at all and he keeps doing this, you'll be like Chris McCaffrey, Hall of Famer, Carolina Panthers. I totally agree. You know, our our buddy Jeff Schwartz was tweeting about how how good he was and they still lost football games. To me, he is worth the money if he just plays to some level close to what he played this year. The, and it's on them. Because the, mo- the money guy is not that it, it, I, I disagree with Schwartz too, because what the fuck are you doing with the money? It's not like you it's not like he's taking twenty five million of a cap. Or you overpaid some shitty quarterback. It the money in a two years gonna look really small. The problem with Gurley was his number was so high, and then he couldn't play at all. He just couldn't play at all. He couldn't function. Now that would right. be the argument. If in if in two years McCaffrey just can't play, then it's just but it's but, but that's a different argument than you don't pay running backs, right? Like this guy just had a Marshall Falk level, level season. Well, guess what? Marshall Falk had an MVP quarterback with him. So I don't. You don't need to get a Christian MVP quarterback, but for this guy to be worth, yeah, he's not as valuable as a quarterback. No, no nobody is. We well, know that. Well, wouldn't you go? Well, he's every bit as valuable as any other offensive position. Couldn't you argue the two guys that we that he became the club of the thousand thousand? Roger Craig, Marshall Falk. Who the fuck do those two guys play with? Uh, Joe yeah, Montana, Paul Kurt Warner. <laughs> it's like this guy was playing with Kyle freaking Allen and Weir, Will Greer, and he set these. Imagine yeah. what he do with Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe that's what they're saying. Like, God, could this guy go 150 catches and, you know, 1,500 rushing yards? Yeah. Uh, John, before I move on, let's tell the people. Uh, time for that. This podcast brought to you in part by Raycon. Raycon.com slash ham. Raycon's wireless earbuds. So comfortable. Perfect for conference calls. Binging podcasts like this one. Um, and the beauty, John, they don't have the stems. They look good, stylish, discreet during your conference calls. And uh, they start at about half the price of other premium wireless earbuds on the market. Yep. Took mine on a jog yesterday, a yog. Nice. Uh, we, we, you and I got sent the newest model, the E25 earbuds. They're the best ones yet. Over six hours of playtime. Seamless Bluetooth pairing. More bass. Perfect for music. And a more compact design. Don't fall out of your ears. Are great. Raycon's wireless earbuds are so comfortable. You you really don't even feel them. Unlike some other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are stylish and they look discreet. They're cool little black ones. Uh, they they look really good. Obviously started by Ray J. Also Snoop Dogg, Girl Cardi B, uh, Brandy, Jr. Smith. We we got a lot of tycoons guy that are part of this uh, this company. Yep, so now is uh, your opportunity. Get the latest and greatest everyday E25 earbuds. You get 15% off of that order when you go to buyraycon.com slash ham. That's buyraycon.com slash ham to get 15% off the uh, Raycon wireless earbuds. Buyraycon.com slash ham. All right, um, on to the next, John. Oh, God, I love this topic. I really love this topic. In the ongoing discussion about whether or not NFL games would or could be played without fans, Kirk Cousins has weighed in, Middlecoff. Kirk Cousins said this, Honestly, to play without fans would be kind of refreshing, a breath of fresh air, to just let us know that we don't have to have all the smoke and fire and we can just play football. So as long as we're playing the game, I won't have a lot of complaints. And hopefully it's still not not return to normal, but we can find a way to make it work. What? That's I. That's the most embarrassing COVID nineteen take I've seen yet. Oh my sports god! Or, sports or non sports? You you so weak. You can't say that. Not after you get a historic contract, fully guaranteed, and then out of nowhere, out of the blue, literally no one saw this coming. You often see the tweet, literally nobody, and then the next comment is something outrageous, like literally nobody. We gotta we gotta extend Kirk Cousins. Yeah, for him we to say lock this. this guy up. I, I, we can't relate to being playing, being a pro athlete, but when you're in the media and you do a podcast or a YouTube, it feels good when you go, you check the numbers, you go, a lot of people listen to this. That's the whole point of this. You do a show, the NFL literally built their business on trying to get a lot of people to watch. And any player worth their salt that you've ever talked to, 
they say, God, I, I heard, uh, I think Brooks Kepka say the other day, it would be really weird to play at Augusta without fans. Like, part of the juice is the fans at these major tournaments. Any football player says the, the environments, especially when, once they kind of get to college and they go, God, I was, we played at Camp Randall or we played at LSU, and it's just like, God, it felt big. Or the NFL, you, you play it the, the, against New Orleans or the Seattle. It's what gets your juices flowing. You know, that's, that's the fucking whole point of, like, going on the road. Basketball players have been saying this forever. For as great as it is to play at home, there's no better feeling than going on the road if you're in college, like, at North Carolina or at Michigan or wherever you're playing and shutting them up. Or the NBA, going for LeBron to win it at Oracle. To shut everyone the fuck up. Like, you just go like that. It's an incredible feeling. Like, that's why we watch. Part of watching some old sports the last month you, part of what's cool about it is the fans, guy. The Tiger Woods, the replay on, the other day on Sunday, watching all the fans in the background, that's what makes sports cool. Now, I'm not saying we, this is the hand we're dealt and you might have to do this. kind of looks like that. But no one's rooting for that if you don't have to. And, and I'm not even talking about how what much is, money is he team. Just, is he going to pretend? Is he going to walk and be like, I was just talking about audibles. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. It's hard to hear sometimes. You could argue there is an element there. But they've got a home field advantage. Yeah, but I'm just saying on the road. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Maybe he. The one thing you he would says say- all the smoke and all the fire. Like, I you know what made me think of you know that famous clip of Ray Lewis going bananas, like doing his whole dance, and Brian Billick's just in the background, like. How am I supposed to follow that? Like that's like maybe Kirk just hates starting lineups. I I do think his division. Detroit, Chicago, and Green Bay. I mean, it's a little bit of a collegiate division. You probably hear hear a lot of shit talk to you, but still, I mean, guy, it's a fucking NFL. You just, but you can't say to me like this is one of those like what? Seriously? Well, to me, this is one of those. If It'd be like, refreshing to play without the fans. If you're like Adam Thielen or Danell Hunter or Harrison Smith, I'm talking guys on his team that are like Jesus Christ, like this is who we're dealing with. Like this is the guy we've given. 87, what do you just get, a $60 million bump? I mean, guy, this is the guy we've given. If you're Daniel Hunter and you're like, I'm the best player on this team, we've given this guy $140 million and he's bothered by – he's going to enjoy empty stadiums. This, this is who we're trying to win the Super Bowl with. I mean, if you're going to trade for Odell, like you, might as, well, you might as well call about Aaron Donald. We're going to need a lot more help if this is what we're dealing with. That's embarrassing, guy. It really is. Yeah. That is it, that is the opposite of rise to the moment in a big environment, ready to go to war in the cathedral, in the Colosseum, right? That is the opposite of that. Isn't there something too that he's clearly a really smart guy? I think he was a straight A student at Michigan State. Like he he's a people he's a high character guy, but there is a little bit of an out of touchness with him. Like this is something that even if you believed it, which I I would imagine if you and me could talk to a thousand NFL players. I think it'd be close to like 98%. If you could choose fans or no fans, they would all choose fans. Guy, I mean, every single one, I think, would say yes. They want to play in front of people. It's like part of the fun of the sport. Maybe a center would be like, you know, it it would make my life easier. Okay. Yeah, and even, let's just say, at home, you know. (laughs) This comment for a quarterback that's making huge money, out of touch. All right. uh, Opposite end of the spectrum, made for quarantine. Mike Mayock says about a draft in which everyone has to work from home, quote, to be honest, this is kind of what I've done for the last 20 years. <laughs> is Mike Mayock the most prepared general manager for uh, COVID in the NFL, John? I think we're all, we all get comfortable in our surroundings, right? You get used to doing something. Even if in your job you don't like doing it, I think the majority of humans are pretty routine-oriented. That's what's been so crazy about this last month. You get up at a certain time, whether you go to work, whether you drop off your kids, what time you eat, what time you work out, what time you do certain tasks during the week for your job. This, this is a major, major curveball for NFL people because it's one of those jobs. It ain't a nine-to-five job. Most of the, the coaches and GMs spend too much time at the office, but they do it, and especially if you're a general manager, you have your time mapped out from basically free agent to the draft you kind of know the ebb and flow of the days and the weeks. Now, he hasn't been doing this for that long. He has been used to being at home, being somewhat of a hermit, and just watching tape on his own of the top players. 
I actually think you could argue he's the most prepared of anyone for just being looking around and seeing his home walls yeah. trying to put together a draft board. It, it, I started thinking this morning, like, did he was he only really talking about the top players? No, when you think about watching him on drafts, like he could talk forever in the draft. Like, remember, he would get so mad where we you and I I worked in a league and I get bored in the fourth, fifth round when they'd like put the parrot or the monkey. Remember how mad Mayock would get? Like, are we making a joke out of this whole thing? Because he just wanted to talk about that six round pick or whoever. Because mm-hmm. he had done the work on it. Right. And I I actually think, yeah. Yeah, I, I now that doesn't I don't know that that changes anything once the draft starts because on draft when the draft happens he would be on the desk talking about players right that's where this is different even for him a guy that spent all this time preparing from home now he might have got a jump start too maybe there was just less you know less he understood how to set it up at home and how he works best and all that by now though as we've seen like the photo of Tom Telesco with seven monitors or the photo with Dave Gettleman with one monitor. And uh, War and Peace times two, the, like four versions of the Bible all in one binder. Um, everybody kind of works like clearly whatever they do at the office, they have the wherewithal to take that same routine home, right? The odds are the Gettleman has a monitor with maybe a second larger projector and that Telesco probably has a big desk with a bunch of monitors in his office. Like they've recreated their offices. The question is when it comes time to make a draft pick and you got to do it on your cell phone. There's not three phones in front of you, or you've got, what did you tell me the other day? Designated people, half the league calls Mayock, half the league calls his assistant, or, you know, it's not that the Raiders are doing that, but some teams are. Like, that's where it's going to get complicated, but I, I, I buy that this guy is just, he's probably been dealing, he's been traveling uh, on the NFL, he's just been traveling in ways that are more normal, just than most GMs have for the last twenty years, right? I, I listen just all the little things. I, I listened to about eighty percent of his press conference yesterday, or like his conference call. He said the irony of his setup because they asked him like, "Do you have monitors everywhere?" He's like, "Actually, I'm a little bit more back to the future. It feels more like 1980 in here." He said, "I have three whiteboards with over a thousand magnets all over the place." He's like, "I wanted to create." And again, this is why I don't crush Dave Gettleman. What Mike Mayock wanted was a tangible draft board. Like you would have, not where he can swipe on the iPad, which the, everyone has access to. Something where you see the magnet with your flags on it, with your the 40 times on it, where you can just, I, I know I'm like that guy. I have binders everywhere. Like I, I don't type most of my notes beside little blurbs in like my phone, but I write stuff out in it. Am I, I'm 35, I got iPads everywhere too. I just feel more comfortable doing that. To me, there's not a right or wrong way to do it. Whatever you're most comfortable with. I actually think some of these old school guys, it's a little easier to see it, I feel, than like scroll because at any moment your iPad could, who knows? Like your whiteboard can't just run out of batteries, right? You, right. Technology can't phase you with tangible stuff. Like Gettleman has the, the, the seven worn pieces. But you know what matters is his evaluation. Getting the players right, yeah. But also being able to be nimble when guys are coming off. Like, do you know what Mike Mayock will do? I'll tell you exactly what he'll do. Because when I got in the league, nothing was digital. It was all magnets. When the first pick happens, Joe Burrow, he'll have his rankings and the players. He'll take the magnet off, throw it in the bucket. (laughs) So then you just visually see your own magnet off, magnet off, magnet off, magnet off. And then you get to your pick. You can see it, and that's what he's most comfortable doing. Mayock, I think we all thought he'd be good. I, I, I just, I think he's just a really high level guy. Yeah, I do too. I, well, I was telling you before we started this that I do, I miss him because as a GM, he is not the most vocal front and center GM. Like he's just not looking for quotes. He doesn't want to be that guy to have his voice out there all the time. It's not part of the deal. When he was on NFL Network, we got kind of more than Mayock is in that it was just his job to be on TV telling us what he thinks of players. That's not what he wanted to do. He would have. This is what he wanted to do. I've said it over and over. Most media guys that then get into the team side are still media guys at heart. Like John Hollinger was a famous guy that did it, right? Media guy, got in to run the Memphis Grizzlies are a big part of it. But now he's back with the athletic. Like he's a media guy at heart. It's an easy transition. 
Mayock, and I'd say DJ's kind of like a hybrid. Like, he could kind of do either. Like, he just... Mayock, to me, always, in a weird way, was out of place in the media. Had nothing in common with the media. Honestly, hated a lot of the media stuff, which you and I like. Most people like. Fans and media people. And even I, GMs like it. They, they eat this shit up. He hated, like, mock no. drafts. He doesn't and, like it now, right? No! He I, doesn't care about the top five GM list we did on YouTube. I, I, I think he was made to be on a team. And honestly... I think that's why he got... I bet if you look at his Rolodex, like the guy he truly was calling over the last 15 years, as much as it was GMs, I bet he became really close friends with like the an SEC scout, you know, uh, a college director. I'm just talking a guy that he could just geek out with, right? I mean, geek out with. Because he's, he's... That's what kind of scouts are. They're kind of geeks about these players. And that's why he has been... like. It, he, to, wouldn't you say he's a lot different than John Lynch, even though I think John Lynch has transitioned to the job pretty well? Yeah, J- John, yes. John went to game calling. John wasn't doing... But I don't draft. even mean the media transition. I just mean John's, his role in being out front and center, and I'm not saying he's a, he's a, he clearly loves football, but he's just a little bit more of a hybrid. He can do some other yeah. things. Yeah, yeah no, I, the reason I brought up the media job is just because John, even John's media job was much less labor-intensive. It was not, you know, Mayock's media job was a year-round media job. That was not John Lynch's calling games, not a year-round job. But the draft is. Yeah. Right, being a draft analyst and then a scout, basically, is a year-round job. And he was also so. doing things, his top 50 lists, going to pro days that GMs do anyway, right? Yeah. He he would have preferred not to publish him though. He'd rather do a big board than a mock. Yes. I don't know if anyone in the media likes doing mocks. Well, that, that, that's and remember he always did his top five at position. That's something he took. He's like, I don't want to do mocks. I'll do my top five. Yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, John. What about this, Alden Smith? Here's the question for you. This is an old picture from his comeback. I and mean, when I say old, I mean old in quarantine time. It's like a week ago, less than. What I think you and I agreed because you said to, you said this to me the other day is Alden Smith going to be the comeback player of the year like if he makes the roster and is he going to make the roster and it just got me thinking the the bar for comeback player of the year for Alden if I answer that first question with yes is Alden going to make the active roster if he makes the active roster you would think he'll end up with if he's just active for sixteen games how many sacks would he end up with. And this is a guy that hasn't played in four years. We don't really know what he's got other than he's still relatively young and he is and has always been a physical freak. So how many sacks – is he going to make the roster? If he does, what's the baseline of sacks? And then the third part of that is whatever that sack number is, what's the bar for comeback player of the year? I saw an Eric Armstead quote yesterday. Now, granted, I think they only played with each other for an offseason and like half a training camp. And I don't blame him because you and I went to a couple of those training camp practices before he got f- fired, cut, whatever. It was like, Alden looks incredible right now. He said that Alden Smith is the best teammate he's ever had as a Niner. Again, they only played like half a training camp together. And if you think about, well, it's like, well, who's he really played with? I don't know. Richard Sherman, a year of Nick Bosa, DeForest Buckner. I mean, he's played. Uh, Play with Navarro? He, uh, yeah, but yeah. Navarro was hurt, but still. Yeah. But I would say just Buckner, like, it was pretty clear, like, Alden was a freak. Uh, he looks like just a Greek god. Even now, he 287. To me, I always felt like he was playing probably 260, 265, a little slimmer. Mm-hmm. Maybe, so maybe his game's going to be a little different. To me, is he an outside linebacker still, or is he more of like a 3-4 defensive tackle? Like, uh, not Justin Smith, maybe a little Ray McDonald-ish. You know, do they put him on the line of scrimmage? Is his, is his game changed because he's not quite as explosive anymore? That'll be fascinating to see. Guy, I, I, I have a hard time seeing if he plays 16 games. Like, if he's on the roster and playing every week for the Dallas Cowboys, him not just being, like, a positive member of the squad. You know? Sean, think about how many defensive linemen, pass rushers we've seen just as they age and maybe lose a step still be – really, really impactful players over the course of their career. Well, because right? what translates strength and toughness, and he had that. And just under just your ability to read what's happening in front of you, your feel, right? your, all these your, things, your whatever size, technique you have. Part of like Julius Peppers played for 40 years because he was just yeah. massive. This guy is massive. Justin yeah. Smith played his mid-30s because he was strong. So you think 
Do I think, you think it's more likely? Is it oh, what fifty fifty or better than fifty fifty that he makes the roster? Uh, I, it's hard to go fifty fifty just because at any moment I, I just he's proven you know he's not the he just hard to trust him staying on the straight well, and narrow. I, okay, All if right. we're if let, we're assuming let, he stays sober and just stays yeah. healthy, yep. I think I would go like ninety percent. He makes a roster. Here's my guess for a season. He has one of these. You know, the, the stats do not do how good Alden justice or how good he was justice. Like maybe he has like a four-sack season, but he's just like, they're top McCarthy every week, like what he's doing, not in the box score, holding up blocks and forcing runs the other way, how, how good he's been with some of our younger guys, how durable he's been. I could just see some like a lot of intangible football okay, stuff. Okay, yeah. Where it might be hard games. for him to... Would it fifteen games, four and a half sacks? Does he come back player of the year? No, I, I think he'd probably need to get like seven, eight. Now, if he gets six, plays sixteen games, and the Cowboys are an eleven win team, and it's just they're raving about him every week, yeah. It, it, I mean, because comeback player of the year, like you could be. We just assume you're the best player that had a comeback. But what if it's like imagine it like a horse race. And he's just so far behind everybody, and he just comes back and finishes like in the middle of the pack. You'd go, this guy was out of the league for four years. Okay, he just his comeback to get to four sacks is like some guy coming off an ACL and having twenty sacks. Right? F- he plays fifteen games. He plays fifteen games, starts a handful of them, over under five and a half sacks. What would you say? You do just I'd run. It, you do, I think you he's do just like run into sacks. some in the NFL if you play hard. Uh, yeah, I think he gets like six, seven sacks. Ten sacks, one hundred million percent lock of the year. Comeback player of the year, biggest <laughs> biggest lock ever. Yeah, yeah. It would be something be that the NFL, I think, would ride. Like we stay behind our guys, sobriety. Like we're yeah. it's like guys, you kicked him out of the league for four years. <laughs> I know. All right, John. Before we get to a couple more uh, rapid fire NFL talks, another ad. We say thank you to manscapecom ham in times like these. Still supporting the podcast, you can support as well. And uh, get yourself the perfect package. The 3.0, the 3.0, this is upgraded and improved, Lawnmower, Lawnmower 3.0. Plus, for a limited time, subscribers get not one but two free gifts the Shed Travel Bag, which is a $39 value, and the patented high performance anti chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. Yeah, to me, guy, the key is with the Manscaped 3.0 is that you never want to cut your balls when you're trimming down low, and that's what this thing does not do. You have it. I have it. Manscaped.com, promo code HAM. Also comes with you know, a little, a little ball deodorant for the anti-chafing. Uh, oh, yeah. It, it, what I've done is I use it to shave my chest. I use it to chase, shave sometimes my face. Obviously, you got to wash it off. Oh, you know, I don't clean, think it's recommended. Clean, cleanliness. Uh, it's, it's, it's the best trimmer I've ever owned, bar none, hands down, not even close. All right. So there you go. This is what you do. You go to manscaped.com, use the promo code HAM, promo code HAM. You get 20% off. You get free shipping. You get the perfect package 3.0 with the two free gifts. Um, Get the right tools for the job. 20% off, free shipping, promo code HAM at manscaped.com, promo code HAM at manscaped.com. All right. Uh, You and I have talked about the Bucs, and we've kind of crossed them off our list of teams that should draft a quarterback. Because they've got Brady. You just don't know how big the window is. You can only assume the window is this year, if that, right? So they just can't afford to use their first-round pick on something other than a player that can help them win right now. But Albert Breer wrote this. I'd keep an eye on the Buccaneers potentially drafting a quarterback in April, which is weird because he wrote it two days ago already in April. Um, Not unlike when the Broncos signed Peyton and then drafted Brock Osweiler a month later couple raw big-arm prospects out there. Jordan Love, Jacob Eason, who could easily slip a little. They could use a redshirt year time to develop. So it sounds like he's saying they wouldn't use their first rounder here when he says slip a little, but who knows. Um, you and I both rejected this. We just, we've just we said you need as many players as possible. But Breer's saying keep an eye on it, so we'll keep an eye on it. And it's not that hard to make the case for it, right? I don't love the parallel with Denver. Peyton had just signed a four-year contract, and they were betting on him for, I mean, at minimum three years. They ended up getting four. The fourth was a disaster, but he did start the fourth year, and Brock played a little bit. So that this one, to me, 
I know you signed him to a two-year contract and you're on the hook for the money next year, but you're kind of just living year to year. So once Tom Brady uh, confirms and signs your contract, I don't has he officially signed the contract? Yeah, he signed it. Remember? Yeah, he did. Why, why is kitchen. he and other guys had? But you're chipped from the middle of the table. Like to me, their goal this year, it's like not to be the seventh seed, right? It's to be in a position to win the NFC. Like hopefully home games in the playoffs. To be a powerhouse NFC team. To win the division. To beat the Saints. So it's that's where the balance is a little tough. Remember, that Bronco team, they had Von Miller. They had Demarius Thomas. They had just signed Demarcus Ware. I think they draft Julius Thomas in the later rounds there. They had just signed Emmanuel Sanders. I think we forget they signed a guy named fucking Wes Welker. Like, they were kind of just... They had supplemented a lot with free agency. And you could argue the Bucks are kind of equipped right now, especially on offense. But they are missing a couple... They need DBs. They need offensive linemen. Those first couple picks, 14 and whatever the 14th pick in the second round, are really, really valuable to me to get a couple starters. Like, Mayock said yesterday... He's like, we got three third-rounders. As a general manager, I can't ask for much more. If I do my job, I should get three starters. And I'd say, yeah, that's a little bold, but I do think it's fair to say if three third-rounders, if you can get two or you know, starters out of the three of them, you're in pretty good shape. So if I got a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and a third-round pick, I, I think you're looking at it if you're Arians and Light. Like, I get two starters and another guy that plays to go around Tom Brady. Just the team that Tom Brady's leading. We're a quarterback, actually, he's just not playing. Tampa actually has 14 in the first round. They have 13 in the second round and 12 in the third round. So it's actually slightly better. Oh, yeah, because um, it rotates when you all have the same record, huh? Right. Yeah. Um, the like, other part well, of this I'll, is I'll just, tell you this. Like, Jay, I think Jacob Eason, I was at the Combine. We were having dinner. Arians was a couple tables to my right. And, Arian, and Jacob Eason came up at our table. And I, I don't like Jacob Easton just because his style, not that I get the physical traits, but I, I've watched enough of him last year, saw a slow processor. I get why teams are going to like him. He reminds me of someone that you and I were around, Tom Brandstater. Now, better version, but like this big arm, good. Like he looks like an NFL quarterback. And I think, and I said, who do you think would draft Jacob Easton? And, and someone at my table just points, and it's Bruce. Now, this is before Tom... I even think it was before Tom really gained steam might go there. This is where like everyone was like, ah, he's going to go back to New England. I, I would, to me, Jacob e- drafting Jacob Eason with Tom Brady would parallel Brock Osweiler. Like, just a disaster. Now, Jacob is more talented, but I don't know, man. I don't, I don't like that at all. Yeah, I, I heard um, Steve, Steve Kerr back on one of the uh, Book of Basketball podcasts last year with Simmons said that he does not buy that a player becomes in the NBA what he was going to become no matter where he goes. Like, he thinks environment is so massive, so critical. Now, you're not talking about guys, by and large, who played college football for three or four years, right? Um, so it's a little bit different. But uh, I would say this. If you're the Bucks, as someone who's opposed to them drafting a quarterback, especially with the first-round pick, if you're the Bucks and you've invested in Tom Brady – are you doing the future of your organization a disservice if you don't use Tom Brady not just as the quarterback of your team but also as a mentor for whoever your next quarterback is? Assuming Tom, you know, that's assuming Tom is willing to help you do that. But are you doing that? Like, are you just missing a golden opportunity if you don't put a quarterback that you think could be the quarterback of your future behind him? More than fair. I mean, it's, it's a fair conversation. To me, it's about getting the right guy. Because yeah. you would say – the Denver Broncos had a golden opportunity with Peyton Manning to have an Aaron Rodgers situation. Yeah. They whiffed, right? Yep. They just whiffed. And I think Jacob Eason, and I agree, environment does matter a lot. He was just in an elite environment with Chris Peterson where high-level guys go to excel. And we've read some of the comp, you know, immaturity, you know, just some stuff. It's like, God, if you're acting like that with Chris you just Peterson. Watch, you just, yeah, you just watch the games too, right? Yeah. Other than BYU. Make some good throws, but. That, that's where, ideally, like, if, I, if you told me this, Jordan Love fell to the second round, which seems unlikely, and they got Jordan Love in the second round, I'm all for that. Or what if Jordan Love's there at 31 and they, some, they package, you know, they use their second rounder to move up with a future second or something like that? Wouldn't totally hate that. All right, last one, John. Uh, a week away from the draft, draft stories we're tired of. 
I got Tua, te- Tua number one on the list I, or I, receivers? I got a text today from uh, from a buddy that just said, I, I, I need the draft to get here so fast. This is a guy in the league. I can't take mock drafts, and everyone's an expert on Twitter anymore. And I remember it gets like that. We talk about it for a living, and to me it's starting to get like that. I told you about a week ago, like, bro, I'm a little to it out. You did. You told me you were to it out a week ago. I'm to it out. And I I think sometimes it's not not even I'm anti-Tua or anything. Part of his conversation is he just has a – a polarizing conversation, right? Well, there is a, a a level of unknown to him, and to talk about him, you have to assume something, right? Well, if he's good, it's like, yeah, easy for us to say. Well, and it gets to where you just talk in circles about Tua. Right. Like, I, I can do an absolute on Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert's going to be good. I think Henry Ruggs is going to be good. I think Tua, if the hip checks out medically and it's not degenerate and he goes somewhere and he doesn't fall, it's like, I can't do it anymore, guys. But even then, even if, the, even if the hip is fine, it's like there is this injury history now that you have to, that's part of the consideration with him. Small doesn't I move that well, but he is good. I, I, I think we're being overly critical, but he, he's just that guy in this draft that by a yeah. week before, it's like, we have talked about this guy so much. Let's just, let's just get here. Because what's not- here's what's going to happen really quick with him. He's either going to tumble, like, oh my God, Tua's there when the Raiders pick at 12. Or he's just going to go, like, team trades up and they get him at three. <laughs> oh, the Dolphins moved up two spots to get Tua, and it was, like, all fake. So you and I and everyone else that talks about the draft talked about Tua nonstop because that's what you're supposed to talk about and the right thing to talk about, and it was all kind of fake. Well, get ready, John, when we find out that the NFL season isn't, you know, starting till November to, <laughs> to get even more worn out on Tua. Like, it's not ending... Whatever this draft is over. It doesn't end next Thursday. Do you think, if you had to guess right now, I'll give you an over-under six-and-a-half draft slot. So the, the six, between the Chargers and the, and the Panthers, Tua goes. Would you take top six-and-a-half or bottom after? Yeah, under. I'd, I'd say he's in the top six pick. Okay. You? Not so sure. Well, it's one of those you're just thinking about so much. I feel like he's going to tumble like a rock, but I, maybe yeah. I'm just I don't know. What else? You tired of the receivers? Let I'm me not. De- let me let me defend a guy. One thing I'm a little tired of, and again, I, I'm not saying this guy is uh, Bill Walsh or Ozzie Newsom, but it has just become so easy to shit on Gettleman. Oh, and I mean that picture. And it's just the easiest thing is Gettleman's an idiot. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen the picture, let me see if I can find the picture. I mean, it's just Gettleman, Gettleman, Gettleman. I, I I'm kind of rooting for Gettleman, not to like save the Giants or anything, but just to nail this pick and just be like, you know, maybe he's not a bumbling idiot, and every Twitter GM could take his job. Again, I'm not pro Gettleman. It's just one of those things that you just read over and over and yeah, over. I think. How Gettleman is a dummy, and I, I if, just I can't take it anymore. Yeah, if I could analyze that, it's like, um, it's it's you, you think he might not be good enough to be an NFL GM, but everybody on Twitter acting like they're more capable than Dave Gettleman is kind of bullshit. It's not like the guy hasn't been working in the industry for as long as he's been working in the industry. What percentage of media know-it-alls could actually do the job? You think? Of just in general, whether it's baseball, basketball, or football, Here's whatever, photo whatever sport. On, if you're watching the YouTube, whatever sport they cover, media know it alls. You the guys that truly think that they know, would you say less than five percent would even have a shot? Yeah, because the other factor that never gets discussed is like the pressure that comes with the job, right? Just the scrutiny that comes with the job. Um, that's different than answering the comment. This is the t- <laughs> again for the YouTube people. The Telesco, one, two, three, four, five, six monitors, not counting CNN. Gettleman, one monitor. But very, very nice townhome he's in there. Oh, pretty Both sweet. nice homes. But one knock I'd have there on Telesco is, is that like a 40-inch TV in your living room? I mean, you got a little Can bit. I give you another knock on Telesco? Yeah. Showing you how much he's grinding. If you look very closely at the dining room table, you see what's on the dining room table? Uh, no. It's a ping pong. Ta- There's a ping pong net on that table. Over on the right of the photo, it's a in front of the TV. It's a ping pong net. Well, so, now, so maybe he's at the dining room table, but he's got a he's got a, he's playing ping pong, John. How well, hard can he be grinding if he's playing ping pong? Is there is there a chance no one has a ping pong table in view of their dining room table? I'd be a little shocked. Maybe this is like his man room. 
or something. It, it could be, but 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 it, he's clearly sitting. The chairs at the de- table that he's sitting at, it sure looks like I know, a dining does. room table. I know. It's, that's a conundrum. Good spot there, guy. I didn't. Why would you have a t- ping pong table in front of where you'd sit and watch TV in the living room? I don't know. That's a little bizarre. I got, I got, Tom, I got, from I got red flags all over Telesco. I got way less flags on Kettleman. Uh, so, yeah, just, I, I, I can't take much more. Just the wide receivers. I mean, we talk about these wide receivers all the time. I, the majority of them are going to just be guys. There's going to be like one DeAndre Hopkins in the group. Like, this guy could be Amari. This guy could be Hopkins. This guy's got a little Devontae. I, I see a little bit of, uh, you know, I, I see a little bit of Tyreek. Mixed with Deshaun. Like, fuck. No. You know? Poor man's A.B. I think we've done this in this draft with that group more than all the other positions. Like, people are like, yeah, I just think Chase Young's a really good player. Well, like, Akuda's yeah. good. It's just like, I think that Ayuk is like Nikhil on steroids, but he's got a little bit. It's like, oh, my God. Probably not. I mean, Nikhil, he couldn't hold Nikhil's jock a year ago. and now We, just- we said it before. I don't know where we... Uh, I think it was on the podcast, but so I won't dive too deep in it. But you just go look historically at drafts at wide receivers. You don't get three. You just by and large, there's just there's not three of them in the the first round guys. I think there's just usually not three or four guys that are pro bowlers. I think they become a lot like NBA players because like an NBA draft because they are the funnest position, right? They're the position that if your team drafts, you're so excited. Just like in like an NBA wing. Well, what is every NBA wing? This guy's got a little Kawhi mixed with a little like, you know, Paul younger Paul George. He doesn't yeah. quite shoot like Clay, but his, you know, his the handle type. needs some work. Yeah, if he could shoot, a, if he could just improve his, he's like I know he's a twenty percent shooter. If he can get that up to forty five, we got Clay Thompson. Yeah. You know, you got to understand his team was bad, so everyone focused on him, and he's not a great ball handler or creator. Yeah, people forget, but. I see a little Tracy McGrady in this guy. It's like, Jesus Christ. And then three years later, the guy's in the G League. You know? It's like, like, you know what everyone was saying about, here's the thing, too. Think about, like, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, and Juju. Too slow. These guys are not going to be able to separate. It's funny. Like, the guys that we were negative on the last several years, like, I don't know. Devontae's just, it's in the Mountain West. I, I, you know, is Michael Thomas even the best receiver on his own team? Here's the other part. Here's the beauty of it. Because they weren't the guy that has to go 12, they were the guy that got to play with Drew Brees and the guy that got to play with Aaron Rodgers. Well, wouldn't you say that two years ago, and I, we do, I think. Like, Cor- do you think John Ross on the Saints would be a different, would have turned out to be a slightly different player? Uh, probably, but I, I think there's an element of that just might have been a very, very Yeah, risky it might have been, but like. Yeah, I, I, yes, I think that's fair. I think his chance to succeed with. Maybe not even the Saints. I'm just on a team with a big arm quarterback because he does need a guy that can just fling it. I just it. mean an offensive, just like a team that, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I think quarterbacks also fall into this, and we're nitpicking them all right now. A couple years ago in the five-quarterback draft, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, they all four guys went in the top ten. We didn't have another guy go 32. Who's in the best situation right now out of that group? The dude that just won the MVP, then went 32nd. It's like, well, he's not making as much money, though. Yeah, I think Lamar's probably getting some endorsements down as coming his way. Life, life's pretty good. You think, you think he wishes, if he could go back, would he give up going to the Ravens and having gone to the Cardinals? Or gone to, fuck no. I, 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 I say I never understand it. I do get it, like the beauty being the number one pick. But imagine being the NBA draft pick. We don't know what the lottery order is yet, but let's just say the Warriors end up with the fourth pick or the fifth pick. Imagine not being the fir- not a potential, the first pick. Not the first pick, yeah. Imagine being one of those guys going, no, nah, I just want to go one. Somebody, a premium NBA prospect, I mean, th- people would argue this, this draft isn't I know the most premium saying, pro- but one of those guys is going to go play for the Warriors with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green and Steve Kerr. One of those guys is going to go play with, like, one of the – the NBA's historically great chemistry teams with unselfish players, historic shooting talent. One of those guys. Could you imagine being like, no, nah, I want to go one instead of, no, I want to go four where the Warriors are or five where the Warriors are. Like that is going to be, I think, such a key to success for them this year. Yeah. Anyway, but same, same kind of spirit. We said it would be seven topics, five minutes of pop. Yeah, we were close. Good.
Adios. See ya. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.